Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes, and on this Monday afternoon, I am delighted to be joined by Natasha Miko. We are fresh from a night out in Gracie's on Friday night. Natasha, how good was that? Oh, it was fantastic. What a night. We're definitely fresh now. I'm not sure everyone was um, fresh on the Saturday morning following such a great night at Gracie's, but it really was a, a fantastic evening, wasn't it? Um, Susan Finley, who's coming up in the, the comments there, it was lovely to meet you too. Glad you've recovered as well um and yeah it was great it was a privilege to listen to brian mcclary he's just such a captivating engaging storyteller and that makes for a really great evening and like we touched on so great to meet so many of the listeners so thank you to everyone who did come along and i think something that we talked about before as well paul john is i think when you're doing this show from home it's very easy to forget how many people are actually tuning in you know i get caught up in it you do too the other contributors do and it just feels like a discussion between you and whoever else is on the screen with you about all things Celtic in the same way that so many people do with their friends at home in a pub, whatever. Um, And I think you do have to remind yourself sometimes that there is an audience out there and these live events really do bring that into perspective. And I think it's important that we do do these events so that we can touch base with these people we talk to in comment sections and virtually and we can have that human interaction and it was it was fantastic to do that so credit to you Paul and to, to Stuart as well who works behind the scenes for pulling off such a, a good event and I look forward to the next one so if you don't make it along to, to this one then we'll certainly see you at the next one. For sure uh, I mean absolutely uh, agree with that because like for example Paddy Lavery whose um, picture pops up on the comment section so regularly afternoon all great 
time on Friday night, but never as glad to get back to my own bed yesterday. It was great to see Paddy and the Ardoin boys and everybody else, and you can put a face to the name. And like you say, I do think that when you get into the groove of doing this and speaking about what's just happened at the weekend, what's happened in the last 24 hours in the world of Celtic, you get lost in the conversation, talking to like-minded people about the club everybody loves. Um, and yes, it's only when people come up and say, you know, I've been listening to this through the pandemic and I love it. It's just tremendous. And we do appreciate it. It is a gig with a bit of a difference and more of the Axon contributors are going to be involved as we move it forward. Next month, it's Tommy Boyd. The month after that is Danny McGrain. And we do get a wee bit of interac- interaction. We've got people out the crowd to challenge Brian McClare and um, all will be revealed if you come to one of the gigs, is all I can say. But a, a good few funny stories by Chalky. Um, if you want to come along in March to see Danny McGrain taking the challenge, etc., then the tickets are underneath this video. We do have Colin, but he's in Greenock, and there he is. Hello. The Wi-Fi was uh, playing up a wee bit there, Colin. You all good now, mate? I just seem to be software. I don't know what it was, but we're up and running. We're up and running, indeed. Loads to discuss, but we're just having a wee chat about Friday night. Uh, you know Brian McClear pretty well from his nights at Greenock. Always yep. a good laugh, Colin, and he was—he uh, did not disappoint on Friday night. Although I was a wee bit disappointed, Natasha. I'm going to have to tell you what the challenge is. It's a hardest shot competition, right? And we pulled somebody out of the crowd. Brian picked them, and she did want to to come up and and obviously challenge him. And Joanna, whose father used to play in goals for Alawa, was able to get 57 miles per hour on the challenge, and she was wearing a pair of Doc Martens. Brian McClare, 33 miles per hour. Joanna went home with the signed football. There you go. Will Tommy Boyd mm-hmm. meet up next month? Who knows? I think so. I think there was certainly an element of Brian giving Joanna a wee chance there. But it does tell you, you know, it says something for these Dot Martin boots. She got a, a fair kick at that. Fair play to her. Well done, Joanna. I know. The net is burst. I'm going to buy a new one. Um, what, what speed do you think you could strike a ball at, Colin? Just out of interest. I have no idea. I remember... Um, bit of a, a cop out, mate. No, I remember doing it at Hamden years ago. They've got, got that as part of the tour. If you do the tour at Hamden, then you can do the hardest shot thing. All right. Um, 55. I don't know. I, I, I reckon if, you, if somebody can get 55 in Doc Martens, I reckon I could get a bit higher than that. I might have to put the old Predators back on. Um, who do you think? Hey, had, hey, behave yourself. Who do you think had the hardest shot at Celtic? Tom, Tommy Gamel, maybe, Natasha? Tommy mm, Gamble. It could be a good shout. It could be a good shout. Depends if they're wearing Doc Martens or not. Cause... Well, there is that. Um, one person who did, did have a good strike, both from penalties and free kicks, was Joseph Juranovic. And we bid farewell to our creation mm-hmm. right back. It's an interesting one, though, because, yes, I'm always disappointed when a, a decent player leaves a club. But it's been quite seamless. There's no real bad blood. Everybody's mm-hmm. quite happy. Union mm-hmm. Berlin are sending nice tweets. Juranovic is sending nice posts on Instagram. Is it all a bit nice, Colin? We're losing a good player here, a right good player. Uh, you know what's going to happen. We'll have the Union Berlin Celtic family coming up soon. <laughs> um, no, Jelly, good luck to him. It's one of those ones where it's a player that's um, clearly going into a primary career. He's looking for um, some of his uh, kind of next challenge. Definitely the um, the challenge at Union Berlin, um, I'd say, is, is quite an interesting one. They seem to be a a club that's progressing really well in Germany. Um, look, good luck to him. Um, as Ange says, there's no point getting sentimental about these players now. It's time to be kind of focused on ourselves and focused on developing ourselves. So if he doesn't want to be here and he wants to move on, good luck to him. Thanks for everything they've done. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, Natasha, if you just want to look at it on paper, he's a 27-year-old, yes, Croatian uh, internationalist, bronze medal winner at the World Cup. But we bought him uh, 17 months ago. And after all the add-ons, we'll have made four times the amount we shelled out, there or thereabouts. Um, good bit of business for Celtic, do you think? Of course it is. Um, I mean, it's the model of the club, isn't it? Making that sort of pro- profit in 18 months is an excellent return. Obviously, as a fan, I care more about the players that are on the pitch than the balance sheets. But it is excellent business to sign up an able replacement before Juranovic has even left with Alistair Johnston looking good so far. And yeah, it is good business, but there is a frustration for me that I don't think we got what he's worth 
Um, I don't think anyone can tell me that a player of his ability putting in the performances he did at the World Cup with the amount of time he has left on his contract is only worth, you know, the rumoured seven and a half million rising to ten million. It could have, it should have been double that. So whatever happens with the release clause, we have to make sure that that doesn't happen again. But otherwise, as you guys have said, you do wish Juranovic all the best. He's been very unproblematic. You know, he came in, he did his job to a high standards, and by all accounts, he was very influential in the dressing room. He seemed like a, a great character, and that sort of character is missed. And he was absolutely vital, particularly last season, in getting the club back to where we wanted to be under Ange Postacoglu. Last season was such an important season, and he was such an important player as part of the season. So, yeah, absolutely do wish him all the best. The only the only concerning thing that came to me at Evange Postacoglu's um, comments about it was, as you touched on at the start, Paul John, and saying that he is at the, the prime of his career, his stock is high, he's attracting interest right now, and he's got to you know capitalise on that and make the most of it. It's not the sort of chat we want for, for a Monday afternoon, but I hope that that sort of thought never enters Ange Postacoglu's head in terms of himself in any sort of near future um, capitalising on any potential opportunities and making the most of these opportunities while you can given given the sort of marketplace let's let's hope he doesn't ever apply that to himself happily for him to do it for the players but um, quite like him to stay here for a long time I'm always of that view Natasha, I remember reading uh, one of these interviews in the Celtic programme one day and it was with Pat McGinley right, and it says what team did you want to play for as a boy? And his answer was AC Milan. And I went right off him after that. I thought, no, that, that the answer to that Celtic part, not AC Milan. The, the times have changed. Um, by the way, Brian McClare always wanted to play for the Liechtenstein national team, we found out on Friday night. Um, Union Berlin, Colin, the third in the Bundesliga. I think they finished fifth last season, would I be right in saying? Um, after making 53 appearances, scoring six goals, I get that he's probably at that that time in terms of the wage structure, coming in as a 2.72.8 million pound footballer, mm-hmm. that he's not at the top end of the scale. So I can see why he would move to change that. Is it a good move in a football sense? Or is he just going to play more in the environment that Union Berlin play in, i.e. one of the biggest, probably one of the biggest six leagues in, the, in, in Europe, certainly? Yeah, I'd say it's probably the best league in the world, to be perfectly honest, uh, the Bundesliga. Um, you look at the competition that's there you look at the potential opportunities that might come to them um, certainly the likes have come up against Dortmund and Bayern Munich and Schalke, eh, not Schalke sorry because they're rubbish um, but the likes of um, Leipzig and teams like that, that that's quite an exciting prospect as opposed to maybe a Wednesday night away at St Mirren or Ross County so um, yeah I can, can understand that um, obviously He's made his move now. He's joined quite a number of kind of Celtic players that's made their way over there, youngsters and the likes of Jeremy Frimpong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, look, good luck to him. I think it is more the environment, as you say, and the fact that uh, Union are sort of one of these teams that are progressively getting better. They were top of the Bundesliga for quite a long period of time this season. Um, so, good luck to him. Um, and it's good to see a, a kind of team that's using the transfer market well in Germany as opposed to Bayern Munich, who sort of bought their success for a long period of time. When I look back at one of the players you mentioned there, um, with Jeremy Frimpong, I think about uh, the fact that he was a player that, for the first time in a while, got us off our seats. He was very exciting when he first came into the side. I remember his performance in the League Cup final against Rangers was brilliant, even though he got sent off. He was probably the best player on the pitch. When you look back on Juranovic, Colin, what are your memories of him as a Celtic player? Um, you've got to think of that um, debut at Ibrox, um, where he came in and he looked so comfortable. And then it's kind of interesting because a lot of the time you think back to Juranovic, you think back to how he played left-back because of the start that Anthony Ralston had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what you saw from Ralston is he knew Juranovic was this quality player. And it helped develop his career as well. So I would say you've got to sort of thank him for for that development of Ralston too. As much as it's got to do with Ange, I think it's got to do with Juranovic. Um, But if you had to kind of highlight one moment, 
probably say it was that Penenka penalty in Europe. How cool can someone be to do that? But um, yeah, he'll be a miss. We need a proper penalty taker, or maybe we don't now that Aaron Moyes here. We'll go on to that. Um, But yeah, it was good to see him. Absolutely was. And um, one of the big positives that I can take from this, Natasha, is you're disappointed he goes, but we've, we've done our business. We've got Johnston in. We've got Ralston at the club. So although I never like seeing quality players leaving Celtic, I'm pretty confident with the two right-backs that we've got. Yeah, it's a good position to be in, and it's one that we rarely have found ourselves in in previous transfer windows. I feel that before and before Postacoglu, we were always very reactive in the transfer market. You lose a player, you then start looking for another player to replace them, or at least that's how it looks from the outside. This time round, we were very proactive. If we had the inclination that Juranovic was going to move on in this transfer window, we were well prepared for that because Johnson was already in the door. Um, And it wasn't a case of, okay, Juranovic is moving on. We're going to rely on Anthony Ralston, who is a very able deputy, but we weren't going to stand still at that. We were going to look to, you know, develop the team and progress and buy another World Cup right back in, in Alistair Johnston. So that's been really encouraging to me is that we aren't just sort of resting on our laurels and we are continuing to to push for better talent. And I think the transition so far from Juranovic to Johnson has been absolutely seamless. I don't think Johnson's had too much of a test ever since his debut, obviously been thrown in at the deep end there. He's not been tested to too high a level since that. But everything I've seen from him, he looks absolutely competent. He looks very assured. He looks like a very confident player. When you hear him speak, he's very switched on, very intelligent. Um, so all the signs are are good and I look forward to, to seeing him. He is going to make the loss of Juranovic a lot smoother. Yeah, for sure. And I was you were talking about being challenged there. Um and you're probably right, I don't think he's had that yet, but he must be getting that every day at Lennox Town, Colin, when you look at the, mm-hmm. the quality of the, the wingers that we've got. I remember some of the players that played alongside the likes of Bobby Lennox and Jimmy Johnston saying that by the time they got on the park on a Saturday, it was you know a wee bit easier because they'd been up against Wee Jinky and, and uh, Bobby all week. But um, let's get to the game. Let's get to Morton. I know that, obviously, uh, Colin, you were talking between the two teams at the weekend, weren't you? Oh, I had my half and half scarf on, 100%. <laughs> Aye, so you did. Right, uh, first up, I've got to get this out there. Never a penalty, was it? Never in a million years. Never in a million years. That's, like, I've went on, I've been on this programme ever since we first discussed we are coming into Scottish football. And from the word go, I turned around and says it'll be the worst thing to ever come in. I didn't want it. I had all these people in the comment section saying, no, it'll be great because we'll eventually highlight all these deficiencies in the referees and we'll get behind their bias and their bias will be shown and, and we'll, we'll get all these penalties. This is is an absolute bloody nonsense, Paul. I'm sick to death of VAR in Scottish football. Mm-hmm. It's only been in here, I don't know what, three months? I would scrap it already. Mm-hmm. Now, I know a lot of people will say, it's not VAR, it's the referees. The referee is VAR. The technology is there to decide whether it's offside, whether it's um, <clears throat> whether you, you see a bad tackle, whether it's over a line, whatever it is, right? The person that's actually running that technology is physically incapable of knowing what the rules of football is. And for me, if you cannot have a referee that knows the rules of the game, doesn't matter how many times you look at that decision if they are not capable enough of coming to the right decision on that, then what's the point in having the technology in the first place? Until we get referees that are up to a good enough standard in football, we have to put this technology on the shelf and say, it's great to have it, but we don't know how to use it properly and stop wasting money on it. Listen, I think it's a good point, Natasha, because it's not like AI. You know, the thing about VAR is VAR is operating, but uh, even that, Ambrose penalty, you look at the way that it took an age before Kevin Clancy went to look at the actual screen, then the call that was made was so far removed from what anybody else on the park and anyone else watching on the telly and anyone in the stands seen. It was never a penalty kick. How they come to that is beyond me. And by the way, Colin, I think that it has raised a lot of issues that some of us were already talking about in Scottish football. But, you know, 
you know, we've spoken about bias, we've spoken about corruption, we've spoken about cheating, but in terms of the incompetence of the refereeing, it, it is absolutely diabolical. And I'm wondering, though, in terms of that decision, the decision of Willie Collum when Yakamakis was clumsy with the Kilmarnock player, the the goals that should have stood and did stand thanks to the correct use of VAR on one occasion. And I'm wondering how much of that is down to Ange calling them out and then Celtic and the SFA apparently meeting. Now, we don't know if that meeting's taking place, Natasha, unless it has and I've missed it. But remember, the, the talk was Celtic and the SFA are going to talk about the implementation of our and Ange came out and called it out. We'd been calling it out for weeks. How much of this is down to that? Because all of a sudden, I don't want decisions like that no. against Morton or anybody else. I don't want a penalty that was never a penalty. But it's no, almost like think, flipped it when it's said. Yeah. I think the frustrating thing is, is that for every bad decision that goes against us, you know, going forward, they're going to use something like that and say, oh, you, you get them in your favour as well. It happens. Mm. It evens itself out. So when we're winning, you know, 5-0 against Morton in the Cup in a game we're expected to win, and that's when you get your dodgy penalty decision and you don't get a very clear one in a tight league game, you know, that doesn't even itself up. But pointing to those decisions in isolation is going to be used to say to even themselves out over the course of the season. I think Colin summed up pretty well, to be honest. I think as long as there remains subjectivity in decisions, we're going to get bad decisions when the officials aren't up to the required standard. And VR inherently still has subjective decisions because you've still got someone looking at a phase of play and making the decision on it. And when those people aren't capable of doing that to the level that we require, it doesn't make any difference whether it's a referee looking at it once or someone in a referee VR room looking at it three times. We're still going to arrive at the wrong decision with the people that we've got in place at the moment. So for me, yeah, you can, Colin summed up well. I'm absolutely sick of it. It's really hampering fan experience. It's hampering the players' experience. I mean, there is nothing worse than what we saw against Morton of waiting and waiting and waiting for those goals to potentially be called. And then, you know, you celebrate two minutes later or it takes three, four minutes to award that penalty wrongly against Ambrose. I mean, there's people around me pointing out at the time, you know, Someone tell them to play on. Don't don't give us the penalty. Let's just play on and get on with the game rather than us all standing around here for three minutes wondering what's happening. I mean, it's just no way to watch football as a fan and the players don't want it. So we... Yeah, I, I'm with Colin. Shelf it now. There's a, there's a good reaction video, Paul, on um, from the Celtic bench as Clancy goes over to look yeah. at the screen with Matt O'Reilly and I, I think... Yeah. I can't remember who else it is. I think it might be <laughs> Um And they look at it and even they're going, mm, don't mm. think so. Yeah. so. When the players know how poorly the, the technology's been used, I mean, I was sitting in the stand and I didn't even know what the decision was for. I had to actually ask my brother sitting next to us, yeah. is that for us or for them? Mm-hmm. Because it felt as if the play just carried on for such a long period of time mm-hmm. that we didn't know what was going on. And look, the fact as well is, you, you saw it back in the highlights again, Clancy's saying... It's not me. It's not my problem. It's not me. It's not my fault. I'm not doing this. The referees have got to step up and take responsibility now. I mean, he's the one that was sent over to the screen. It'd be yeah. great. The guys and whoever, wherever they are in uh, Scotland that are watching the VER and they're saying to Kevin Clancy, we think this might be a handball going to take a look at it. Clancy's got to have the, the, the sort he's, of power he's to come final say, yeah. Thanks very much for highlighting that to me. But that's never a penalty. No. So, I I don't know if you've got the clip, Paul, but the one I sent you last night, um, the Australian referee, Jared Gillett, he's been, he was mic'd up in his last ever game in the A-League. And the, the VAR decision that he had to give there, you heard the communication between the, the assistant referee, the referee and the VAR official, what they were looking for, what they were deciding and how clear the decision was, and after that decision, he explained it to both the, the coaches and to the captain of the opposition team. Now, I reckon there was quite a lot of Celtic players walking off that park not knowing who the handball was given against, what it was for, probably sitting there unaware of what it was. Now, I'm not saying that we, we need to develop this technology right away and get the, the, the refs mic'd up, but I think it would really add to the game if you could understand or see a replay even on the big screen of what this is meant to be about. 
because it's ruining the fan experience. Mm-hmm. As Natasha says, you're sitting there for at least three minutes on Saturday going, what's going on here? The players are unaware. The mm-hmm. coaches are unaware. You saw Dougie, uh, Dougie Emery is look a disgust as Clancy was walking back onto the park. He knew exactly what was happening. Everybody knows when you go to that um, monitor that it's just going to go against you. Not once do you see somebody go to the monitor and change their mind. No. The, the ref needs to be strong in that position though, Colin. Like you say, you're looking at it and you've got to overrule those in the in the VAR operations room or transit van. Um, the YouTube video you're referring to is, look it up on YouTube. Obviously, we don't have the rights to show it on our show, but nicked up an exclusive look at a referee's perspective of an A-League game. Look it up on YouTube. Because uh, I agree, Colin, having watched that last night, it, it would definitely make it a lot more transparent because <laughs> everybody's bemused. Did you feel sorry a wee bit for Effie? Yeah, of course you poor, did. Poor Effie Ambrose, you did. <laughs> My Effie. heart went out to him. Poor Effie Ambrose. What a shame. Listen, I'm keen to get the, the comments of our listeners in because as Natasha said at the top of the show, it's fantastic to finally meet a lot of these names and faces that you only see on the screen. Uh, we do appreci- appreciate everybody supporting what Axon is doing um, and we'll keep, obviously, um, meeting you as the year progresses. Jungle Lion, uh, C. Jackson this morning, yet again with woeful journalism saying, deal was rattled, Ange. We're going to come to that because there's a lot of narratives <laughs> at the moment that just don't stack up. Um, that Celtic follower on the YouTube, glad to see you joining the com- the comment section. Sad to see Juranovic go, but Johnson slotted in impeccably and will challenge Ralston. As for O, he certainly isn't a slouch. And with youth on his side, I think we've found another bargain. We are definitely going to be looking at who may well be the replacement for the potentially outgoing Yakamakis. There is lots to do. And this is something I know Colin will have an opinion on. Jungle Lion need Taylor back as soon as possible. We'll have a wee chat about who is slotting in at left back. But before we do it, we're talking about narratives, right? And I was hearing over the weekend how um, it was a game changer, the penalty. By the way, everybody on this particular broadcast has said never a penalty. It was a game changer and Morton were in and Morton were on top. I watched it back this morning, right? Here's my observations this morning. Now, I thought, that they equipped themselves really, really well, particularly the fact that at Celtic Park, they're a division below us, and Celtic are in great form. But if you actually watch it back, this narrative of 15 minutes all Morton, absolute nonsense, right? So Celtic controlled the first five minutes of the game. Morton barely touched the ball, right? But then they get a corner, and it was our ex-player Calvin Miller gets a corner down the left-hand side. And for six minutes, Morton put on a wee bit of pressure on Celtic. There's a shot by Crawford in seven minutes. They throw the ball in, long throw-ins, and they get a corner at 11 minutes. So from five minutes to 11 minutes, Morton are in the game. From 11 minutes, Celtic take control. There's two occasions, one with Maeda coming down the left-hand side, one with Abada coming down the right, and then we get the penalty. So this narrative that Morton were on top for 15 minutes, the penalty changed the game. It's all a bit of a nonsense, to be honest with you, when you watch it back. It was more their performance dipped, I felt, Natasha. And in particular, if you look at Ambrose, so the the head's down, the shoulders are down, the momentum has been broken by the VAR check, and then Ambrose makes a mistake for the second. So I think maybe the momentum was broken by VAR, but at no point for 15 minutes were Morton on top. I'm not buying that at all. No, I mean, that's ridiculous thing to try and put on it. I'm not saying that they didn't have good spells in the opening 15 minutes. They did, like you touched on, but I don't think they were dominating and on top or anything close to that. Listen, the opening 10, 15 minutes of a cup game can can be like that. It's frantic. team comes out of the traps, especially a team a league below playing somewhere at Celtic Park. They came out flying and fair play to them. All credit to them for that. A penalty decision is very unlikely to have changed that game. Yes, it did stop Morton's momentum. I do think the heads went down a bit when you lose a decision like that. But over the course of the game, I really don't think that that moment was going to have an impact on the result of the tie. Um, you, you just have to look at the stats themselves, you know, across the whole game. Celtic had something like 80% possession. Mm. We had 31 shots, 12 on target, you know, something like that. We were very, very dominant. Yes, Morton might have had spells, but there was absolutely... No way that that decision, as wrong as it was, which we've already said, there's no way that decision for me is going to change the outcome of the tie. What's your thoughts, Colin? I know that um, it's your hometown team, so you've got a little bit of a soft spot for them, 
You've got the half and half scarf. What was your take on these comments? It was, um, yeah, I didn't didn't buy it totally. I mean, I thought Morton did start pretty well, as you see. That sort of five, ten minutes spell that they had. Um, I was impressed with the likes of Jake Tongo down the right-hand side. I thought he was skipping past Burnaby at times. It really exposed Burnaby quite a lot. Um, we seemed to get a wee bit flustered from loose straps, long throws. Um, and apart from that, I don't think Robbie Muirhead really touched the ball. Uh, you see the shot from um, from Crawford. It was a case of Morton let that decision get to them. Mm. Um, and you could see it from that point onwards. The mistakes that they were making, they wanted too much time on the ball. Uh, I'm thinking of times where Maeda robbed Grimshot right back to get his shot away. Strap was having a bit of a nightmare against uh, Abada. Abada was getting past him all the time. That's why Strap came off at half time. Um, in Kyogo, you can see it for his fourth goal, gets ahead of the, the defender. I can't remember which defender it was. Um, and obviously, Effie Ambrose mistake for the second goal. It was just one of those ones where the concentration went after that decision. Yeah. Um, but it's not to say that that decision wouldn't. Like, if we didn't have that decision, Morton wouldn't have done that anyway, because they have been a team this season where when they've conceded one, they've went on to concede quite a few. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were going into this game with um, the sort of momentum against them. They went 11 games unbeaten for a period and then they've lost the last couple. So it is one of those things. Um, I was impressed with, with some of the, the players that came on. I thought Alexander King at left back when he came on to replace Strap played really well with the number 25. Um, and Jai Katongo, as I said, impressed me as well. But Morton don't come away from that game totally embarrassed. I think what we saw was the, the class between a team that's at the top of the, the Premier League and a team that's sort of battling for the playoff spots in the Championship. Um, and a team, to be honest, that are very, very underfunded. So, King, I mean, well done to Dougie for his, his performances so far this season. I'm sure they'll walk away after um, this game with quite a bit of money because that was a fairly decent crowd there on Saturday as well, uh, better than what I expected. Um, and hopefully they invest that. And I'd love to see Morton up because they're a proper football team with a proper ground. The capital is a fantastic ground. Um, it'd be good to see them in the Premier League. Who do you want promoted, Natasha? I want to see Queen's Park in the league. I've got to say, first time in since nineteen fifty-seven, I think it is. I would yeah, have that. that tiny stadium. Yeah, I said I would have that tiny stadium. However, mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. What if they do get promoted, right? I'm just going to float this. And they are, or they approach the authorities and the big games, i.e. Celtic and Rangers, they ask to play them somewhere else, a mutual venue. Where could that be? Um, Perhaps, perhaps, well. (laughs) Who do you want to get promoted, Natasha? I wouldn't be against Queen's Park, to be honest. I think it would be quite a nice little away day, something a bit different, something, um, you know, reminding me of some of the old cup ties we played over the last few seasons. Um, Aloha and things like that, going to that sort of away ground always felt, you know, a bit like old school football and I I quite like that. So I think, yeah, I wouldn't be against seeing them come up. I remember um, back in the 90s, sorry, let me take a wee walk into the, uh, (laughs) down memory lane. We do... Do you know how old Oh, by the way, Whitehill Welfare. Celtic drew Whitehill Welfare in the cup. And I think we played that game at Easter Road, actually. And then yeah. the other one I always remember is uh, Meadowbank Thistle, which was part of the run for us winning the Scottish Cup in 1995. We played Meadowbank Thistle at uh, Hamden. And it wasn't as though we, we beat them 6 nothing. I think Whitehill Welfare was 3-0. Simon Donnelly scored. 
Um, and then the, the other game, Meadow Bank, probably 3 nothing as well. So sometimes, you know, the occasion and all that kind of stuff really makes the other team and the momentum and, you know, they outperform themselves. And I think for the first wee bit, uh, Morton had that. They had that spring in their mm-hmm. step, didn't they? Um, Durban Kulti, welcome back to the comments. Ange will go nowhere for at least 18 months. Relax. You are, of course, talking about the constant rumours that um, English Premier League clubs are going to be interested in them. I think it's unfinished monkey business up here, as they call it, um, and there's no way that Ange is going to leave until that business is done. But I do want to talk about narratives. We're on the subject of narratives, right? And sometimes people get so obsessed with the success of others that they can't stop talking about them, and often they make things up. Um, so I was looking at this quote here at the weekend. In the last 12 months, he spent more than what Steven Gerrard spent in three and a half years. Who said that, Colin? Who's close uh, that? Oh, it's a... Oh, oh, oh. It wouldn't be the, the, the incumbent uh, Rangers manager, would it? I what mean, an they, absolute they nonsense. They don't like us and they don't talk about us at all. See, if someone continually goes on about you, Natasha, like that, it's because they're rattled. It's no the other way around. I mean, if you just have to know Angie's character. Ange is not rattled. I don't think I've ever seen Ange rattled. He gets passionate with his teams at halftime, maybe, and gets, you know, that sort of way. We don't, but he's, he's not rattled. He's definitely not going to be rattled by the comments of an opposition manager. Um, he is not the sort of guy who ever looks on the fe- over the fence. He's talked about this before. He focuses on his own team, what he's doing. Anything that's happening across the city, any comments that are coming from across the city, like he said before, will have absolutely no relevance or no interest to him. So to suggest that he's been rattled by any of that is just an absolute nonsense. It I is think a nonsense. Look at it, there's a, a narrative that comes from that side of the city where if they say something often enough, they believe it themselves. <laughs> the whole being the Premier Scottish club, being on top after winning one league trophy in 10 years... Being the, the most successful football that. club in the world and all that. Yeah, keep the, saying the, it, keep saying yeah, it. Yeah. The more yeah. they say it, the more they try and make it into being fact. And the, the facts are out there in black and white. Our transfer spending is actually in a positive over the last three, four transfer windows. We are going to, we, as we said there, have sold Joseph Juranovic for seven and a half, rising to 10 million. Of that, we'll probably sign three or four players. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody call financial fair play because apparently, <laughs> according to Michael Beale, that's not allowed. But it just shows if you're clever enough, then you can have a strategy where you sell players and reinvest it. And then that reinvestment, when it works, gets you into Europe, which means you can reinvest that again. Mm-hmm. It's, it's simple speculate to accumulate without actually, like, as they have been over the last 10 years of existence spending money that they haven't got that they can't reinvest because they don't get it back in. It's simple. It is. You know when people call somebody lucky, Natasha, um, if they're having success, oh, they're lucky. I always remember the comment, I think it was Jack Nicholas that said, uh, it's funny that because the more I practice, the luckier I get. And I think that when you look at Ange, what luck did Ange have in his first season at Celtic? There's no, there's no such thing as getting by in life just through luck. You get by through hard work and dedication and that's exactly what Ange has proven it even brings me back to one of the questions he was asked about his midfield and the way he rotated it and trying to find his best midfield and the question that was put to him by one of the journalists was was it just a case of trial and error to see what your best midfield is and you could see Angie's face changed I was in the room at the time you saw his face change the minute that was put to him and again that suggests that he's just luckily come across his best midfield through trial and error it's not that. It's the hours of work, it's the hours of time on the training ground, watching all these different formations, analysing it, looking at the stats, which ones work best together, watching them go through session after session. That's not luck. There's a lot more logic put behind it than that. He's not getting lucky. He's working hard and he's good at what he does. That's not lucky. He, he comes across to me as one of those people that go, oh, I won £10,000 at the weekend. And you go, how much did you put on? Or oh, 9000 <laughs> He's one of them ones where it's like, but the big figures there, the big figures there. Celtic can spend 30, 40, 50 million if they want, but they're bringing that exact same money in. So at the end of the day, when you look at the accounts, it's not as if there's going to be this big 50 million black hole because Celtic are generating the revenue to cover that. Yep. They're spending what they can afford to bring in. 
they're astute in the, in the transfer market, and then obviously in all the workings of the business, they are. I mean, otherwise, you know, the, the question that's always brought up at these fo- fan forums is around the main the main stand. Why don't we make it level with the rest of the stadium? And you know, Celtic are looking at, at that and saying, well, actually, it would take us seventeen years or something like that in gate receipts, additional gate receipts for the four or five games you could sell out a season to make that money back. So we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So every every decision they make isn't reckless. It's really astute in a business uh, sense as well, but. Seeing as we're on the subject of transfers, and there are quite a few excels out there that if they are sold on, we will benefit from the sell-on percentage that we've got on the contract. One such player is a left-back. Let's talk about our left-back situation, Colin. It's a subject you brought up after the game um, because you're not convinced with Bernabe at the moment. And I know Mm -hmm. that quite a lot of comments that are coming in about Bernabe um, echo your views, but my, my kind of counter to that was whatever I think of him, Ange seems to rate him. Because the comments just a couple of weeks ago when he was left out uh, the the team against Rangers and obviously we played Juranovic out of position, Ange came out and he was kind of raving about him. He says he's come on leaps and bounds. Um, he's nowhere near Taylor level, right? He's getting a bit of stick. But should we not look at the examples of two of our fullbacks, Taylor and Ralston, the stick they got, the length of time it got them to kind of get into the groove? Um, is it a wee bit kind of premature to be writing off the, the young lad? Because he is still young. To an extent, probably, Paul, but at the minute, he is our number one left-back because of the injury to Greg Taylor. Now, when Greg Taylor is fit again, whenever that may be, he'll walk back into the team. Um, and what we say is we're looking for competition for places. And we've always said about this, having two players for each position they can push on and they can develop players and they can make them better. Just like we spoke about earlier on with Juranovic and Ralston and how it helped them both develop because they knew that if they had a poor performance they were straight back out of the team. I thought Bernabe on Saturday had a pretty poor game. As I say, I thought Katongo kind of ran him ragged for most of the first half. Um, and we saw at Ibrooks that Ange decided to bring on Juranovic at left-back over Bernabe, who was on the bench as well. Mm-hmm. So as much as Ange can come out and say these things, the actions speak louder than words. Um, for me, I think if he is going to develop, then and he does need time to settle into Scottish football, then potentially, he, I don't think he's going to do it at Celtic. He might be able to go out on loan if we get someone else in. Um, but we're, we're kind of sitting here and we're at the stage where if this was maybe 18 months, two years ago, then you'd be saying, right, we need a left-back in from now till the end of the season. We'd go out there, we'd look at the loan market and we'd bring in a, a Diego Laxalt or you'd bring in a John Joe Kenny. And at times fans were like... I just, I just got a flashback there when you mentioned Laxalt. <laughs> Deary me. I know. Remember him? These guys would come in for six months, they would do a job, but there'd be no forward planning. Now if you offered someone, if you offered someone like that, to Celtic fans, they wouldn't be interested because they'd be looking for the development of players in the squad. Mm-hmm. So it would be maybe someone who is very highly rated. And if it was a loan deal, you'd be looking for a loan with an option to buy. Or you'd be looking for the, the sort of types of Maeda deals, the type of, I think Awata is the exact same. We've not actually got him yet. He's only on loan until the permanent transfer in the summer. Players like that. Um, and what you'd be looking for is you'd be looking for someone who's actually better than Greg Taylor. Now, I think Greg Taylor has been the player of the season so far for us. His performances, definitely he's developed the most over the last 12 months. But, as we say about guys like Giacomakis, who's potentially at the door, Juranovic, if we can get someone in who's even better, it's better for our squad, and it's better for the development of our team going forward if we want to be competitive at a better level in Europe. So the fact that we've come such a long way in the last 18 months is a testament to Ange and what he's done to the squad. But if you look at this position right now, if I'm looking for someone in the market at a left-back, I think we need to get someone in. I, I don't think Burnaby's ready to make that move, and if that's the case, then I would look to kind of get him somewhere in Scottish football to settle him. He's not... The performances so far just haven't been up to scratch. And if we're continuing to battle on all fronts this season, we're going to need someone in there alongside Taylor. Well, Natasha, my, my kind of view on it, obviously the, the cautionary tales of Ralston and, and Taylor, um, 
I used as examples. We've gone through so many fullbacks. I always go on about the fact that we never properly replaced Mikel Lustig mm-hmm. until Ralston broke back into the team. Some might say El Hamid was a decent right back. Frimpong went for good money, but I didn't rate him as a right back as such. Mm-hmm. Left backs have been kind of the same since Tina left. You know, um, Greg Taylor was written off, but he, like Ralston, showed the, the grit, determination, um, and got into that team. And like Colin says, he's been one of the best performers, if not the best performer this season. Uh, but we've had p- people like Bolingoli coming and going, Diego Laxalt, now with Dynamo Moscow, by the way. I had to look that up. I forgot where he went. He went to Dynamo Moscow. Um, and we've now got Bernabe. But when I go to the comments that Ange made and the possibility that Bernabe had been hit with that virus as well, by the way, that's maybe why he didn't come on when Taylor got injured. Um, I think Ange is behind him. He's got his back. He thinks he's, he's a good enough uh, prospect. He's been signed. Uh, big investment, long-term contract. I don't see us looking elsewhere at the moment. My only concern is in the big games, the tough, the tough matches between now and the end of the season, if Starfield's playing in his non-favoured mm. left-hand side of the centre-half partnership mm-hmm. and Bernabe's beside him, then that's a, that's an area of the park I'm not happy with, I've got to say. Yeah. But I don't think we're going to go out because it's short-termism and we're trying to get away from that, aren't we, and, and bring someone else into the club. I don't I don't see us bringing another left-back in, um, not while we've got Greg Taylor, who you have rightly pointed out, is, in my opinion, the best player for us this season. Absolutely consistent. Doesn't put a foot wrong in Absolutely all credit to him for getting himself into that position over the last year or so. Bernabe needs more time. He's a young player. I agree with Colin that perhaps his performances haven't been up to scratch. I've not been overly impressed by him yet. But he's not played a lot of football for us yet. You know, he's still trying to make that position his own. He's still trying to learn. He's still trying to develop. And yes, what we are seeing is him on the pitch. And it hasn't been overly impressive yet. But what Ange is seeing is whatever he's doing in training, day in, day out, for hours and hours and hours on that training pitch, during their game time on the pitch, at training, everything like that is what Ange is judging his opinion off of. What we're judging our opinion off of is something completely different. So our opinion may differ from Ange's in terms of the prospects of this young guy. For me, no, I'm not very excited by him just yet, but I do think he has potential. I think there is definitely potential that he can become a very good left back for us. There's potential that he won't, but um, mm-hmm. I'm going to remain positive on this one. I think that there is something there. There is a good player there that we just need to nurture, develop, give as much game time as we possibly can. Um, he is our asset now. He is our player. So let's focus on him and developing him rather than starting to look for another replacement, a new left back, which potentially wouldn't be any better than what we've got. I think of that area of the park as well, Colin. And I mentioned there, if you've got Starfield on the left-hand side of the centre defensive area, mm. Bernabe beside him and Jota in front of him, that, that you know, in terms of defensive quality, isn't strong enough for me. Mm. You remove Bernabe and put in Taylor, all of a sudden, it's a completely different outlook. And it shows you how important Taylor is. And by the way, I love Jota, but in terms of his defensive play, if you're playing Bernabe at left back, you need Maeda in front of him because he's got the run and he's got the defensive qualities that I don't think Jota has. Uh, but it does show you the importance of Greg Taylor um, when he's not in the side. Now, Keith Oakden, you're back in. And hello from Plymouth. And I hope you're enjoying the broadcast today. Danielle comes in as well. Welcome back. Much happier with Alistair Johnson. Stronger, taller and more athletic than Juranovic. And um, a few people are agreeing with you. The Urban Culture says, think you may be right. JJ, JJ's head was elsewhere for a long time. I think with hindsight, you look back on that. Um, I remember people saying on the comments that Ralston had actually been better at right back this season than Juranovic. Um, and yeah, they are only human. The head has been turned. He obviously did want the move and we wish him all the very best. Um, but I agree with Danielle. I think we've got a player in Johnson who obviously has got a few years on Juranovic as well. Um, and I think we're going to try and do something similar with the Yakamaka situation. So, obviously, the, the player that's on everyone's lips at the moment, uh, Colin, is O. And is O on his way. Um, apparently, he's been spotted in Glasgow. We're talking two and a half million quid. He's a 21-year-old centre-forward, and he is currently playing for Suwon. Uh, Blue Wings, South Korean, one cap, 93 appearances, 23 goals. So you're trading in players for 27-year-old, 28-year-old. In Yakimakis' case, you're bringing in younger models. 
Um, so that makes sense in that respect. And also what would make sense is whereby Yakimakis doesn't want to play second fiddle to Kyogo, you bring in O, and I think he would gladly be that player that would learn from Kyogo, play second fiddle, take the game time when it's available. It seems, again, like a no-brainer, and that's before Yakimakis has even left the building. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Yeah. Um, it's interesting bringing someone like that in, as you say, he's only 21 years old. Still got a lot of development to do in his game. Uh, seven goals, I think it was, in the, the K-League last season or so far this season. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure. I'll reserve judgment until I see him play. But my views almost kind of swayed on some of the players of that sort of same stature that we've signed over the years. Guys like... Um, like vacuum bio and and players like that that needed to develop, but we we kind of need them to come almost come in and make a an impact right away, especially if someone like Kyogo gets injured, could we rely on O to lead the line? Um, I, I don't really know. I think I don't think it'll be the last signing that we make. I trust Andrew's judgment that he'll bring something to the team, um, however long that may be, whether it's immediately or whether it's at the start of next season once he's had a couple of months under his belt. Um, but I think if that's our last signing, we're still a bit short up front. Mm-hmm. I would still like to see us bring someone else in that's maybe got that wee bit more experience as well. Jimmy, you look at the, the, the type of player and what Colin's saying there, I, I totally get what he's saying, Natasha. If you bring in a Yakamakis, a guy who's already scoring goals at international level, the age is a big element because he's thinking time's running out, which is a bizarre thing when you're only 27, mm-hmm. 28 years of age. Um, it might be the last big move and, and they've got their eye on that. Whereas if you bring a player in like Yakimakis and Zhiranovic, you might have to accept that within 18 months they're looking for a move. However, you bring in O and that may not be the same issue unless he was to hit the ground running Hachati yeah. style, you know. Um, so it's a, it's a fine balance to, to make, but I, I'm not disagreeing with Colin on this one. I think if we do bring him in, I'm not a, a, a grudge calling him untested. I'm not I'm not calling him untested, but he's fairly inexperienced with what we're going to be asking him to do in terms of the, the, the amount of football you're playing next season, playing in the Champions League. I'm not taking it for granted, but I would expect us to be playing in the Champions League. Um, is it the right move? If we do bring him in, do you think we're still short up top if Yakimakis leaves, Natasha? Or are you happy with Maeda, Abada, Haksabanovic filling in? I don't think it's completely with the realm of possibility that we do sign two strikers, maybe O and also his international teammate Cho. Um, I think that deal's not off the table yet. Um, and I think, like you've touched on, with looking likely that Jack Marcus is going to be heading out the door. I think there is room for two. Um, I think even if Jack Marcus had stayed, we would have been looking to bolster that our striking options in this transfer window. So with Jack Marcus leaving, I think that could create the requirement for two new strikers, whether it be in this window or in the summer. Um, so I think even if O does come in, I don't think that rules out Cho coming in too, or, or perhaps someone else. Um, I think you know it's good to get someone in young, 21 years old. I think the rumours are he's going to get tied down on a five-year deal, which is obviously what we, we want to see. Um, and yeah, maybe he is untested. But he did score, I think it was 14 goals last season, seven so far this season. He's always wanted to play in Europe. He's described as a versatile forward, which probably fits Angie's system quite well. And I thought, you know, even though we're saying, you know, he doesn't have 
experience. He's got experience in a league, not just not this one and not the European ones that we're, we're used to. And I thought it was interesting to hear Aaron Moy talking about the Korean League having played against Korean teams in the Asian Champions League. You know, he pointed out that there is still quality there in that tournament. Um, and what he said, that Korean players tend to be very fit, very strong. And I think that's something that could be well suited to the Scottish League, which could maybe make the transition a bit easier for a player like O. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing him. I think it's good to, to bolster our attacking options. And if Ange sees a player there, then I'm looking forward to seeing him too. I'm looking forward to hearing the song if we get O, Cho <laughs> and Kyogo. I don't know what the song is. I'm sure there's a song. Paul, can I just bring this up um, for Tony Cassidy here? about Cho um, and how apparently his rep was present at Celtic Park on Saturday. Um, can I debunk that? That is not a rep from the Korean team. That is um, a physics teacher from St. Columbus High School in Gook. Close enough. <laughs> that was a, a physics teacher by the name of Mr. Faulkner who was at the game on Saturday. Um, Mr. Faulkner's son-in-law is Eric Partaloo, who used to play for Morton, but also played for Brisbane Roar under Ange Postacoglu, um, and still has a bit of a relationship with Ange. I'm so, impressed with this, Colin. By the way, Eric, if you want to debunk a story, this is a lovely, <laughs> this is a lovely detail I want. Um, Eric obviously got a ticket from Ange for his father-in-law, who's a big Morton fan, uh, to go along to the game on Saturday, and just by chance, he was obviously wearing Eric's old jacket from his time at uh, the, the team in Korea. I'll not try and butcher the pronunciation, but yeah. So that wasn't a, a Korean agent or scout or spy or anything like that. That was uh, Mr. Faulkner from Guruk. I'm impressed with that. Who was there? Fair play, Colin, by the way. I'm impressed with that. And by the way, Tony, great to see you on Friday night. Thanks for supporting us on the live circuit. You might never come back after Colin's debunked your theory there, though. Um, you've also mentioned Aaron Moy. We've got to speak about Aaron Moy. The guy, we're talking about songs, Natasha. This guy's got his own song. Another two goals. He's, mm-hmm. he's I mean, for me, at the moment, I'm picking him before O'Reilly. I, I can't drop him. Oh, he's almost first name on the team sheet for me. He's playing that well. Um, he's been absolutely outstanding. How he never got man of the match... On Saturday, I do not know, but he's certainly my man of the match. I thought he, again, he controlled the game from the middle of the park. He's excellent on the ball. He's adding goals to his game. And I've mentioned it before, but the form that he's found since the World Cup has been absolutely top-notch, and it really does show how important that experience was for him, both in terms of confidence and performance. It's something we've seen from Maeda too, but Aaron Moy's absolutely on fire at the moment. Um, And like you said, undroppable. Yes, you know, you think back, Colin, to when we signed him, and to be fair, I think we were pretty balanced on Axum, but I did see a lot of social media chat around uh, this kind of underwhelming signing. But um, anyone who had played alongside him or knew um, what he was all about came out in the press and spoke highly of him. And I think it's taken a wee while; it has taken a wee while for this to to uh, for him to bed in. But that World Cup experience has just given him a rocket, um, and he, he does seem to be undroppable at the moment, Colin. Yeah, absolutely. I was one of the ones that probably wasn't overly convinced when he made his uh, signing at Celtic. I thought we could have maybe got someone a bit better. Uh, little did I realise there isn't many better in Scotland than him. Um, his, performance, his performances this season have been unbelievable. Um, I was really frustrated that he was dropped at Ibrox. Mm-hmm. I thought he could have done a lot better than some of the performances. Um, and you saw what happened when he came on the park. We got the equaliser. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as you say, probably one of the first names on the team sheet. He can take a penalty. He can find a pass. He looks so composed. He kicks about the park with his slippers on. He barely breaks sweat. The guy is—he's um, like the way we used to say how Olivier Cham could be a Rolls Royce type of player, but he would only do it on certain occasions. Aaron Moy does it week in and week out. Um, I thought we'd banned that, Colin. I thought we'd banned the Rolls Royce analogy. Back now on a Monday, it's fine. It's all—it's all. It's all um, it was he's, impre- he's impressed so much this season and fair play to the, the guys from Celtic Down Under who said to us that he would be the player of the year this year by a mile, you can see where they've got that from and as you say that World Cup experience has helped him as well um, for me I think having that experience in the team um, 
is is massive. I would have him over O'Reilly at the minute. I think O'Reilly's got to work hard to get his jersey back. Um, we've got a penalty kick taker, as I say. We've got someone who I think if you had to take Callum McGregor off the park, would also step up in a captain's role as well. You can see him passing his experience throughout the team, and he's just a fantastic addition to the squad. When are we going to, Natasha, describe a footballer as a lime green Morris Minor? Because that's what Brian McClare used to drive when he played for Celtic, believe it or not. <laughs> I don't think that's going to catch on. I don't. Rolls Royce. I'm sick of hearing Rolls Royce. Come on. <laughs> would you want to redeem an Aston Martin? Uh, yes. Right. Happy with that. Happy with that. Uh, Natasha, the uh, women's team were in amongst the goals. You want to bring us up to date? They they gave uh, Patrick Thistle a tanking. Um, how's Fran Alonso's side doing? Mixed over the last couple of weeks. Um, Rain, last weekend, Rangers dropped points, which was going to, looking to be pretty important in terms of the title race. I know it's very early to talk about that, given how much football is still to be played. But as we've touched on all season, the top three don't drop many points, if any, to teams outside the top three. Rangers did just that last weekend, dropping points to Hearts. Um, Celtic were then going on to try and capitalise on that and didn't manage to do so midweek, um, drawing nil-nil with Motherwell, which is a pretty surprising result to say the least. Put it right this weekend, thankfully, um, playing Partick Thistle on Sunday, um, made sure that the, the goals were getting converted with a nice 8-0 win over Partick Thistle. So it was a blip midweek, that's what it was. Franz relatively philosophical about it. He was very disappointed, he was very frustrated at the time, but he knew that his team had the ability to go in and put that right, putting in eight past Partick Thistle, who are actually just one place ahead of Motherwell in the league. Um, so back on track, back on track following that one, still sitting in second position, although Rangers have a game in hand. Glasgow City are still top, but there's games coming up against both Rangers and Glasgow City um, in February and March, and that's before the split. So that gets pretty important as these head-to-heads in terms of the squad itself. Like we've mentioned before, losing Clarissa Larissi, who's the top scorer this season, was always going to be difficult. And we could certainly have done with her midweek against Motherwell. But the goals are coming from all over the pitch at the moment. Um, Amy Gallagher in particular, two hat-tricks in a row and then a brace. Um, so she she's definitely picking up that goal-scoring mantle so far. We know that there are additions coming in. They should be here this week, we're hoping, in terms of new striking options. And we've also recently brought in um, an American wing-back, Hannah Kerner, who's not quite up to fitness and ready to play yet, but we expect to see her slotting into the side soon. Um, so the girls are in a good position um, to go on and challenge both for the, the one remaining cup and for the league this season. If you look at the stats alone, and I know that only tells one part of the story, they're de- out of the top three, they're creating the most chances, they're scoring the most goals, so that stands them in good stead for, for the rest of the season. Um, and we've very much look forward to the, the head-to-heads against the other top three, which are going to be very important, like I mentioned. We are a, a patron of the women's team at Axon. Looking forward to getting a few tickets through so we can go and watch them, or indeed we might even allow our subscribers to go and watch the women's team at some point in the season as well. I'm just going to ask you a few questions about the remainder of the transfer window then. I've still got a week to go, Colin. Mm-hmm. Um, will we sign one or two strikers? I would like us to sign two. I think we may only sign one. I'm not 100 percent sure Jack and Marcus is away. I'm right, that, that, that was my next. That was my next question, Colin. Um, this is like a Friday night quiz here, Natasha. One or two strikers in the door at Celtic Park. What do you think? One. I'd like one. two. I think it'll be one, and I think Jack and Marcus will go. Jack and Marcus will go. Do you think he'll stay? Did you say, Colin? I've got a wee feeling he'll stay. Yeah. Well, that would be interesting. Now. Is there any shocks? Do you think there'll be any shock departures? Colin, I'll come to you first. Um, I think Jens is a bit of a shock departure. I know he's not been playing a lot of football, but um, the fact that he was quite a big part of the squad in the first half of the season, mm. um, it'll be a, a strange one to see him go. Um, apart from that, no, I think everyone else who'll go will probably be ones that we expect, including, I think, Oliver Abogad. Abogad, Iriguchi, maybe McCarthy, yep. Welsh. Uh, yeah, a loan move for Welsh, I think, could be a a loan move for Welsh and maybe a loan move for Lowell during this January window. 
Yeah, I can see him getting some um, interest. Certainly, he's made the breakthrough. Rocco Vata's made the breakthrough. They've both made their debuts for Celtic this season, which is fantastic. And hopefully, if they don't go out and loan that is, they'll get a wee bit more game time throughout the rest of the season. John Bosas, welcome to the show. Talking of undroppables, Hart, Carter Vickers, Calmack, Moy and Kugel. It's hard to argue with that. You know, if you've got that spine of your team, um, everybody else who's in, in favour or on form can fit around them. Um, yeah, the reason I've got a lime green top behind me here is because we did have Brian McClear as our special guest at Gracie's on Friday night. It was a sold-out event. Um, I got a chance to meet quite a few people I've only seen in the comments section, so thanks for joining us. We will be doing it every month, and um, in March there are some tickets left, although they're going fast for Danny McGrain ticket link underneath this video. Can Danny and Tom Boyd beat Brian McClure's hardest shot of 33 miles per hour? I would suggest that they could. I'm just going to leave you with one thought. There's a section of the night where I give the player quotes from people that have played with him or have managed them. And one of the quotes was, I was walking down the corridor when I heard a ruckus coming from one of the rooms. It's obviously pre-match, they're in a hotel. I looked behind the door and John Calhoun and Brian McClure were playing Cowboys and Indians. How wacky is that? That's a quote. Uh, Brian didn't deny it, did he, Natasha, that they were up to uh, before a game. He just says you get bored and you can yeah. basically do anything. Cowboys and Indians, John Calhoun, Brian McClure, pre-match. Colin, that is what you're in for. That's the kind of treats you're in for if you come and see Axom live. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved. Please like the video. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the channel. Thank you to Colin Watt and Natasha Miko for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.